Welcome to the Brand and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each one of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussions about important topics that you can immediately turn around and implement in your business to become a better insurance professional. We're going to jump right into this discussion today. Chris, good to talk to you again. Good seeing you, Paul. We got two. 2022 off to a, a roaring start. Um, and as, as you're getting going, I understand you were reading a, a recent article about uh, at least our industry. Yeah, um, I think it was Allianz published a white paper earlier this week about the three exposures that concern businesses most. Um, and they did a pretty extensive survey of what uh, of business people and at varying positions, varying parts of the types of businesses, et cetera. And they came up with um, their top three list, not top 10, but top three. And um, number one was cyber. Number two was business interruption. And number three was natural catastrophes. So pretty interesting list there. It is, though. All, all of those, um, you know, cyber kind of an emerging thing, supposedly, but it's been emerging for a while. So it's definitely here. Business income is, seems to be old as the hills. That's been around for a while. And, and obviously, um, natural catastrophes are what insurance was primarily um, mm-hmm. created to, to solve. Right. But, but even with those three things, right, didn't those articles go on to talk about how there's some, some real issues there? Even if they think, oh, these are these are old hat type of subjects. For sure, we've got a, you know, one study, and there was, um, I think, uh, Munich republished it, and, and Swiss Re also published another one going back further. That only about thirty percent of all natural catastrophes are covered by insurance, and so I'm looking at that, going, wow, that's like that's one third. That's like. Why would we only have insurance for one third of natural catastrophes? And then I started looking at business interruption, business income. It's been around, like you said, forever. And yet the two biggest threats to the economy relative to business interruption are supply chain interruptions and civil authority. And civil authorities can also be tied to natural catastrophes. Uh, mandating evacuations, but then the hurricane never comes. Or you can have um, viruses that come and civil authority, but there's actually no virus contamination of the physical property. But the damage, the business interruption claim is the same. And we have almost no coverage anywhere for that. And yet it's a huge exposure to businesses. That's the coverage they need. And then you have cyber and... um, Paul, as you and I both know, especially teaching cyber classes, you know, there's a lot of holes in a lot of in these cyber policies. And some of these holes are getting bigger every day. So, you know, let's take a guess. Let's say 25% coverage. So that got me thinking. It's like, is this a relevant industry when the three most important exposures have at best 30% coverage? How relevant are we if we can only provide 30% coverage? I don't know if we're relevant. It's it it is a struggle as you look at it because if you're as an insurance practitioner, if you're not careful when talking to your clients, you're going to set up expectations mm-hmm. that 
the odds are good if there's a claim, those expectations won't be met, right? To say that, oh, here's a here's a cyber liability add-on, or even some of the policies that are there. Um, in my personal experience and working with some of the forms and some of the form changes I've seen recently, they basically take out any social engineering coverage if a human being's involved. So if your system gets hacked by a remote actor and nobody in the company's aware of it, yes, there's coverage. But if somebody clicks on a phishing email, if somebody makes a human error, which if I still understand it, are the majority of the claims, there's not coverage under that policy if there's any human involvement. Exactly. Yeah, I've seen that clause. Um, for all those listeners, read your cyber policies you're selling very carefully for that clause, because otherwise expectations are not going to meet reality when the claim is submitted. And you got to set up the expectations, because if these are the three things people want the most, and they buy a flood policy or an earthquake policy from you, they buy a business interruption policy from you, and they buy a cyber policy from you, they're going to expect there's coverage. If you as the agent don't express, there will be some, but not, no, not, it's not complete. There's a real potential for an E&O problem. Yeah, there's the E&O, and then there's just, like you say, the, uh, the relevancy issue, or do people really need you for, if they need you for those things, cyber, for, for a business income, for natural catastrophes, but yet the product that you're offering them doesn't cover most of their need. Yeah, there's some ancillary coverage there. There's some, some, some coverage there, but the vast majority of what you need isn't there. Are you really a relevant product? It's kind of yeah. like if you live down in the Carolinas, it snows every few years. Um, so you should be able to move some snowblowers, right? But nobody buys that for such a low uh, frequency type of event. And even if it comes, eh, it's, it's, yeah, that could be handy, but I, I don't need it. So yeah. I need cyber poly, I need cyber coverage as a business owner. But if most of what I have exposure for isn't covered by that cyber policy, is it any wonder that there's limited uptake? Yeah, exactly. Especially now with the new warranties required for MFA and so many systems, industry systems, including insurance agency systems that cannot handle MFA, but which means that the agents themselves won't be able to get certain cyber policies. Yeah, we've lost the relevance. What's the value of it if the policy is not going to do anything for us? And at least with a snowblower, you know, you get a new tool. You get to play with something with an engine. Nobody gets too excited about buying an insurance policy, especially one that's not going to respond very well to what the real needs are. Yeah. You think reading the, the, uh, the instructions on how to put your snowblower together look bad. Just, just try to read that uh, cyber policy. (laughs) Exactly. I was reading a cyber policy the other day. It is like, all right, when, when's the trigger date? It said the policy said that the trigger date was when the, um, bad guys entered the system. 
But a white paper showed that the average business doesn't know this one's entered their system for 274 days. The policy had a limit of notifying the insurance company, I think it was within 90 days of the bad guys entering the system. So if the average date of knowledge is 274 days, but you have a 90 day limit, what good's the policy? I mean, what good is the form? So people are going to find solutions elsewhere. They're going to turn to risk management um, for cyber, and they're going to ignore insurance. It's going to be a dead market if we don't address this. Natural catastrophes, it's going to be alternative risk management, like parametric insurance is going to, is taking off. And there's a lot to be said about that. But parametric insurance is totally outside the norms of regular agents. And regular insurance companies, by and large, are regionals. They, I don't see them bringing parametric on board to agents. Most, most nationals won't either. And business income, um, the carriers are scared to death to offer business income um, for anything other than what they're already offering for. But those are minor things in the big world. Um, we're seeing some really interesting developments with um, with certain brokers, really innovative brokers offering parametric-related BI coverage. And one of the most fascinating stories out of the whole entire COVID deal is that there's an African country that actually bought a parametric policy for business interruption, for viruses, and it paid off. It's one of the few full payoffs I've heard of um, due to COVID and business interruption. But these are really innovative players on the fringes, and um, that's where the market's going to go for the solutions. And to that point, am I remembering this right? Was it uh, was it Wimbledon? Was it the uh, um, U.S. Open or something? Some tournament bought some coverage. For yeah, can- event, event cancellation. cancellation. Um, it's going to be harder to find. And yeah, and I was just thinking about this as you talked about the cyber, where a lot of clients are going to be turning to risk managers rather than the insurance agents mm-hmm. that they would have traditionally done if it can't be fixed. At this point in time, like you were talking about um, the multi-factor identif- authentication you need to have turned on, the types of system issues you need to do, uh, most businesses, especially on the on the smaller end, but even fairly decent-sized businesses, mm-hmm. need someone to hold their hand, walk them through all that, have that, and there are the IT companies that are doing that. I mean, I was just in a, a meeting last week with, a, with an IT company. They were talking about broadband coverage for a community, but they were talking about cyber events and how they could help a company kind of harden themselves toward that. Mm-hmm. Well, this, at that point in time, what we've got, you're almost irrelevant if you're not figuring out a way to either expand the product we have, which is going to be really difficult, or ex- more than likely expand the services that you offer, partner somewhere to, to get that done. Yeah, I think the partnership's key for these. Um, I, I, think you, I think a risk management partnership or creation is just 
especially in the cyber world, but also in the business interruption world and natural catastrophe world. I think partnering with specialty firms, even specialty insurance firms that are on the cutting edge of those coverages is really the solution. And so few insurance agents will take that step that those that do have a massive, massive competitive advantage. You know, it's one of those things where the customer, it always, it reminds me of the old um, Henry Ford quote, customers can have any color of car that they want, as long as it's black. And that's what the insurance industry seems to be telling people. You can have any kind of cyber or BI or natural catastrophe coverage that you want, as long as we sell it, even if it's only 30% of the solution. Eventually, the customers are going to demand a color on their car. They're going to demand something closer to the other 70%. And solutions are being developed, but you got to go out and research and get away from the traditional carrier-centric approach because those people aren't going to offer the solutions you need. We already I know think, how. Yeah, and, and you said something that really resonated with me as far as carrier-centric approach that right now, most of the time, it's just kind of a take it or leave it, right? Most companies will come into your agency and give you a hit list. Hey, we're writing this. This is what we're writing. Can you, you know, give us more of this? But yet if you, in your agency, you might have a target market or you, whatever your uh, prospecting method is, you have your clients, you need to find solutions for the client rather than trying to jam the carrier solution onto the client. 100%. And, I, and and the carriers that are going to bring real value to an agency are the ones that figure out how to help the agent solve their problem. Yeah. Not have the agent solve the carrier's problem. Exactly. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. The carriers that are going to be valuable going forward will solve the agent's problem, which in turn solves the customer's problem instead of working bass backwards, like we have done for a long time in this industry, really. And, you know, that's not to say what we have is, is um, terrible, right? I mean, I think about, you're in Colorado. They, they just had those crazy wildfires. Yeah. Well, that's going to have big impacts on the natural catastrophe um, coverage that availability of it, number one. Yeah. But business income right? If our traditional business income for the people whose businesses were burned up in that co coverage would be there. You know, if you wrote it, I mean, there's, there's, there's the physical damage, right? There's the claim you're going to have the business income. But, but as I think through the last year, all of the business income claims I've seen have almost all been related in some form or fashion to, you know, a, a supply chain issue, uh, or the, the COVID issue where there's just been none, the vast majority of the, of the income lost mm -hmm. uncovered. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other aspects of it is, is why do people hate buying insurance? They hate buying insurance because they don't plan on ever using it in the sense of having a claim. And they probably, there's good chance they won't. Frequency is so low. It's low because we don't insure the things that customers actually need coverage for. But the human mind, the human brain is a weird thing in many ways. The human brain does not relate to severity issues, infrequent 
severe issues. The human brain re relates to frequency of issues. So if there's a frequency of losses, people see something bad happen all the time, even if it's low severity. They understand the need for insurance a whole lot better. If in, the insurance industry is only going to insure things that are low frequency but high severity, we become even more irrelevant because the human brain doesn't relate to that. It's just physically, and this has been proven in all kinds of scenarios, it's physically not designed for high severity, low frequency decision-making. So it makes us even more irrelevant from the consumer perspective if that's what we start focusing, if that's where we continue to go instead of coming back to um, cyber BI natural catastrophes. And let me, you know, I'll make another point to what you said earlier. What was insurance actually created for is created for natural catastrophes. But really interestingly, insurance was created back to Lloyd's for ships sinking. Yes. Right? And ships used to sink with quite a bit of frequency, a lot more often than they do today. And so it went, human brain could relate to a situation that was both frequent and severe. So insurance really was started. If we want to talk about it, it was business income for it supply was. chain interruption. It was a hundred percent, Paul. It was, <laughs> it was three things. It, it really was. It was business income, supply chain interruption. And, and let's not forget this because it's a really important part. It was to ensure the loan on the ship and the merchandise on the ship. That, those were the three reasons insurance was created. And we've kind of moved away from that, just like we were talking, all of those uh -huh. things. You know, you get a carrier today that would say, we don't want to do any of that. Yeah. I want to stay away from that because it could actually happen. <laughs> what's, what's the joke? What's the joke is... The old joke is the only time a banker wants to loan you money is when you don't need it. The only time an insurance company wants to insure you is when you're not going to have a loss or they're not going to pay for any losses you have. Hmm. Doesn't, doesn't endear our, the consumer's heart to the industry, does it? No. So just in closing, as we look at that and say, this is kind of a, a problem that we've got and there's no yeah. good solutions right now. We can sit here and hope that uh, um, we can that the, some products will be developed. If mm -hmm. you're a forward-thinking agency, what recommendations do you have for somebody yeah. to say, "Hey, what do I need to be doing today to move in that direction?" You've got to learn about the alternative risk transfer marketplace. You have to. It's the estimate is that over fifty percent of all commercial premiums are already in the alternative risk transfer marketplace. It's going to increase. Um, they're the innovators. They're the ones that will come up with the solutions. So understand, don't just buy into a captive concept, but understand captive, study captive structure, study parametric insurance. Those are the two that have been developed. They're being sold. They're being sold very successfully. And it's, it's the right solution quite often for the client. It, it really is. That's the place to start because the solutions already do exist at certain levels with those two tools. Um, and then 
work with your client to be client centric. What's their problem and solve for their problem. Um, you know, the whole story is, is that people don't buy fertilizer because they want fertilizer. They want buy fertilizer because they want pretty flowers. Let's sell them whatever they need to get pretty flowers, whether it's risk management or it's insurance or something else. So study risk management, understand it. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of using risk manager as a title because of the E&O issues, unless you are a true risk manager. But understand like in cyber, risk management is probably 70% of the solution anyway in the real world. Insurance is probably about 30% in the real world. That's where people, forward-thinking people need to go. And you'll have so much more fun, so much more success if you do. Because you'll actually be providing solutions to your clients. Fantastic. Well, Chris, this has been another uh, good discussion. And I'm walking away, as always, with a lot of homework to do. Um, <laughs> We appreciate everybody taking the time to uh, listen, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks so much, Chris. Paul, thank you. Bye-bye.